Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is November 14th, 2019. Take it away. We We got our Saints preview today. I'm very excited about this game, but I want to go over some news first. We got any facts, checks, or follow-ups? You don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Did you do any? (laughs) No. We talked about Vernon Hargreaves in the last episode. He has been picked up by the Texans. Yeah, we play them December 21st. Week 16? Yes. Which has been moved to Saturday. Right. Yeah, at 1 p.m. It's just a weird move. Yeah, well. I don't really understand it, but... Anyway, hopefully Mike Evans will have a good day against him. <laughs> I doubt if or he'll Godwin. cover. I doubt if he'll cover. But you said the Texans were like, yes. what, 24th in the waiver wire? So, yeah, they were down at the bottom. So a lot of teams passed on Vernon Hargreaves. Yeah, it's funny. That, that draft class, I think there was five or six cornerbacks taken in the first round. Like, they all suck. Really? Yeah. Right, well, none of them were. Well, wait, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think. Three of them. I think Jalen Ramsey was in that class. He's not with his original team anymore. Like three of them aren't with their original teams anymore. And the other two, I couldn't even tell you what their names were. So not a strong class of corner. No. BA did say today that they cut him because basically there were too many times on film they saw him not giving his all. That's because he watches my YouTube videos. <laughs> I've been saying that since the beginning of the year. Well, NBA said there's two things you can control. Your effort. Low effort is what I'd say on the film. Low effort. Low effort attempt there by Hargreaves. And your attitude, which that was one thing that Joe Buck's fan reported. VH3 had a bad attitude, they heard. so. Well, good. He can have that bad attitude on the Texans. That's right. Let's talk about a good attitude on the Buccaneers. Levante David is the Buccaneers nominee for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Really? He is. What is that? It is, well, a panel of former players from the NFL Legends community, whatever the hell that is. That is like <laughs> capital how, L Legend, capital how, C. How do you community. get on the Legends community? You got to be a former player, obviously, but. And a legend. Yeah, oh, wait. Jerry it, McCoy has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is there is there a panel of people that pick the NFL Legends? I don't know. Is it like the Pro Bowl? I mean, this <laughs> is just like, and then the NFL legends pick the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award winner. And then does each oh, no, team they... pick their own nominee? <laughs> Man, Do they nominate their own? It's like the Oscars. In any case, listen, focus. A panel of former players <laughs> from the NFL legends community select eight finalists from the 32 nominees. And that's their official name, the NFL Legends Community. Yeah. L is capitalized, community is capitalized. <laughs> I think we got that. Never heard that before. <laughs> that sounds like something out of a video game. Okay. Madden and 2020. Then, oh, no. Sh- presents NFL Legends Community. Well, then it could be like a senior home for NFL players, <laughs> right? A yeah. Legends Community, like oh. assisted living. We just shove them onto a little and they just give them commune. A, a fancy sounding name. <laughs> The Legends Community. That would be the name of the assisted living center. Yeah, but then if you go there, it would kind of shatter that whole illusion that you have because you go and there's all these decrepit old NFL players. You just don't like old people. You're an ageist, man. All right. I married someone 20 years (laughs) my senior. (laughs) He's so funny. I was waiting to interrupt you that whole time. I was just sitting there. 
like NFL Legends community, NFL Legends community. As soon as you start talking, I was like, NFL Legends community. Oh <laughs> right over my head. Yeah. So from the eight finalists, there will be a consensus vote from each team, whatever the hell that means. What does that mean? From the organization's current players, and that will decide the winner. Okay. A consensus vote from each team from the organization's current players. Okay. So the Legends picked the eight finals. Uh-huh. And I assume the Legends are retired. Okay. Former players. A consensus vote from each team from the organization's current players decides the winner from the pool of eight finalists. So all the players now pick, get to vote from the eight finalists. Correct. Okay. We got this. You follow me. The winner will be announced on the nationally televised NFL Honors Show on Saturday, February 1st, the night before the Super Bowl. He'll receive a $25,000 donation from the NFL Foundation to a charity of his choice, and he'll get a trophy. Wow. So, Levante David, let's pull for him to get that trophy. Get that trophy. Let's talk about how deserving Levante David is of this award. Per Greg Allman, a boy Greg, Levante David had, has had no penalties since the start of 2017. That is absolutely crazy. He has. How, how did I not know that? That's I know. an amazing stat. Why don't they ever talk about that? I know. He only has six total in his NFL career. What? And he's played more than 8,000 total snaps. Six penalties in 8,000 snaps. How insane is that? That is absolutely incredible. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Among the 189 NFL players with 1,700 or more defensive snaps since the start of the 2017 season, Levante David and Eric Weddle are the only two players in the league without a penalty. Wow. So out of 189 players, there's only two that haven't had a penalty. I, why do I feel like I have to repeat everything? I'm, my I brain know. is slow today. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? So that's about 1%. And then 8,000 total snaps, you've only had six penalties? Good Lord, that's that's like 0.06%. Isn't that crazy? And he hadn't had any since 2017. Well, i got to break out a calculator for this. this is, I, I can't believe this. There's got to be something wrong there. I copy and pasted this tweet, so it's not even like I <laughs> typed something wrong. Unless Greg did. Then you blame Greg. Oh, it's even worse. 0.075% chance that Levante David will get a penalty on any play of the game. We probably have a better chance of Vita Vea playing on offense. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to run the ball in for a touchdown one day. It's going to be glorious. They've got to give him the ball. All right, Or just let him be a fullback and block. Just let him create a hole. Yeah, did you see him like launch Buda Baker yeah, on the replay? I don't think I put that in the... Uh, the video I did. I am ashamed. I know. Shame on you. Yeah. You have to make a video just of that. All right, let's talk about the Saints game. Okay. We'll start with the injury report. Carlton Davis returned to practice Thursday in a limited capacity. He's had a hip injury. Now, if you remember, last time we played them, he got ejected early in the game. And he was supposed to cover Michael Thomas, and it totally threw our game plan off. Yep, I think we put bunting out there. Was it bunting? I can't remember. I can't remember, but... Yeah. Scoot up our game It wasn't pretty. Yeah. yeah, Michael Thomas just torched us. DeMar Dotson missed practice on Wednesday, but it wasn't injury-related. Probably just resting the old guy. He returned See, to practice on Thursday. <laughs> well, in football years... <laughs> <laughs> what, what is he, like 34, 35? He's an old man. He's such a big guy, too. That wears Six foot on, nine? Yeah. Right? 
That's a lot for the body to keep up with. I guess. Ali Marpet was limited Wednesday, but returned to practice Thursday in a full capacity. He has an ankle injury. Carl Nassib with his groin injury. He's been limited all week. Anthony Nelson with the hamstring hasn't practiced all week. And MJ Stewart with the knee hasn't practiced all week. Hmm. But it looks like Carl Nassib and Carlton Davis will be back this week. Hopefully. So that wraps it up for the Buccaneers. The Saints lost a couple of starters last week. Andrus Pete Broke his arm. Right. Left guard. Left guard. We watched him against Atlanta, too, and he looked like trash before he broke his arm. Yeah, when he broke his arm, he, it was one of the, you could see him walking out, running out the field, and his, his arm was just... Limp. Yeah. I couldn't get a good view of his arm getting broke, but it was one of those really nasty breaks, it looked like. Ralph has this habit of, on the broadcast, when they slow-mo all the injuries, Ralph's got to rewind it 20 times. Yeah, record it, take record a video. Record it. It's so gross. I it. can't. I have, I don't know, quite a, quite a few video clips of... And pictures of guys getting hurt. I think the worst one was that San Francisco oh, game. Oh, yeah, we twisted his arm all up. It was like, he like landed on his arm. Yeah, somebody else landed on I can't remember. But, I mean, it was all twisted as the yeah, hand. Yeah, I thought it was a knee injury. Oh, yeah, there was that one where it popped out and it was all sticky. You could, like, see the bone sticking out. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, Anders Pete, he broke his forearm, so he has not practiced. I think he's supposed to have surgery on it. So there will be a backup. They haven't announced who is taking his place. Patrick Omema. Omema. He's on. He's a backup there. But he didn't take Pete's place during the game. It was like the third string center will yeah. clap mm-hmm. came in for him. So they haven't said it's Thursday. They still haven't said who's taking his place. So I don't know if that's good news or not. Marshawn Lattimore is the other notable Absence. He's had a hamstring. He left the Atlanta game also, and it hasn't practiced all week. So that's good news for Mike Evans. Cornerback Patrick Robinson has a hamstring. He was a full participant this week. Zach Line, their fullback, has a knee injury. He's been limited all week. Linebacker Demario Davis has a hamstring, and he's also been limited all week. And then wide receiver Deontay Harris has a hamstring, and he has not practiced all week. So there will be another injury report out tomorrow, and they'll designate whether these guys are going to play or not. Yeah, that uh, left guard, that's uh, Vita Vez. Their their center is a rookie, right? Yeah, didn't they? In the offseason, we were talking about Nick Easton, who they brought in from Minnesota. That was their free agent guy Uh because Unger retired their center. But then they drafted this Eric McCoy in the second round this year, and he's been starting, so... Yeah, so we, we're going to have a rookie and... A backup. A backup going up against Vita Vea. That should be fun. Yeah, but, you know, we didn't get any pressure on them the first time we met them. Remember, we played really low energy. That was, yeah. that was the first game. That was, what, week five? Yeah, we just played really low energy against them. Yeah, they held us to zero sacks. Of course, we were playing against Teddy Bridgewater, not... Drew Brees, which... We and, did- and we were also playing against the refs, too. That was the game where I counted nine screw-ups on the refs' part. Mm. They, they, they are what cost us that game. Well, the Saints beat us. That was the first game where we hey, really got beat by hey, a you, better team. you hush your mouth. <laughs> Let's not rewrite history. People can go back and listen to what we said at the time. <laughs> the Saints are currently 7-2. and two, So What? I know. Well, we have to win this game. If we don't... 
our playoff hopes, as small as they are now, will be nil. Yeah, I think even with everybody else in the division tanking, right? With pretty much everybody in the conference tanking. Because, <laughs> what we got, six games left? I don't know. It's this too is week late 11. for math right now. 11, 12, 13. Seven games left. Okay. I think the Seahawks are eight and two. Right? Something like that. Anyhow. Yeah. If we lose against the Saints, I think we're going to be mathematically eliminated. I'm not sure, but it's going to be damn near close. I mean, even for a wild card spot. Yeah, yeah, for a wild card spot. So since we played the Saints. That's funny. I know people are sitting out there going, is he seriously talking about playoffs? I know. But no, I'm dead yes, serious. I'm always. dead serious. All right. So since we played the Saints, they have played the Jags, Ooh. the Bears, Ooh. the Cardinals, and Atlanta. And of course, they've beat every single one of them except Atlanta. That is an easy schedule right there. Right? Like they're trying to give them the division. Wouldn't surprise me. Bunch of cheaters. All right, so let's talk about this Atlanta game because it was kind of an anomaly. It was the first game where Dan Quinn had given up defensive play calling duties and their defense just played a lot more aggressive. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they had six sacks against Drew Brees. The Saints. Did not score a touchdown, which is the first time that's happened since Drew Brees has been the quarterback really? at New Orleans. Yeah, it's never wow. happened. Inside the Dome. Oh. It's the first time he has not scored a touchdown inside the Dome. Yeah, and I had him in fantasy football. He really screwed me. That's what you get. I know. I hate. I really hate having him because I just can't root for him. The Saints were 0-3 in the red zone. Dang. And they had 52 yards rushing total. Wow. And Kamara only had 24 now, they did beat Atlanta in the turnover battle. Matt Ryan threw an interception. Yeah, it was late in the game when they were up about yeah, 17. Yeah, it didn't really matter. Yeah, it was, like, it was like less than a minute left in the fourth quarter. Well, it did give the Saints the ball back and gave them the opportunity to go down the field. They didn't do anything with it, but... Yeah, even if they would have Yeah, they could have won. They would have had to get like three onside kicks or something. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta beat them in the time of possession, too. 33 minutes to the Saints 26. Good Lord. Yeah. And the Saints had 12 penalties for 90 yards, which is just crazy. Wow. To Atlanta, seven penalties for 48 yards. Yeah, that was a very penalty-heavy game. Uh, Drew Brees kind of looked like crap. He, yeah, his shoulder's bothering him. Yeah, he, he's look- at that point in the season. Well, I mean, he was he, he didn't play for like four weeks. <laughs> he should be rested. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. What? I know you're going to say he's an old man. <laughs> he's he, an old, short, little man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a heightist, too. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he it just didn't look like he could throw a good, accurate ball more than 10 yards down the field. Well, that's true. So our passer, listen to this, is next-gen stats. Oh, got to love the stats. Thought, and we got to love the stats. The Buccaneers passer rating allowed by air yards. Wait a minute, what? The Bucks pass a rating allowed. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. So this is what uh, our defense gives to the quarterback. Yes, exactly. I'm a simple man. You got to uh, break it down. It's okay. <laughs> Less than 10 air yards. We allow a 93.8 rating, which is 10th best in the NFL. Would you believe that? No, I actually would think it'd be the exact opposite. I know. From 10 to 19 yards, we allow 105.6 rating, which is 25th in the NFL. Damn. And then Wait, 25th best or worst? Worst. So we're really bad at 
Yes. 10 and 19 yards. Yes. And then we're worse 20 plus yards. We allow a 124.8 rating, which is 30th in the NFL. But lucky for us, Drew Brees cannot throw it that far. <laughs> Among 33 qualifying quarterbacks this season, the two with the fewest air yards per attempt are Drew Brees with 6.3 and Teddy Bridgewater with 6.2. So it kind of sounds like their offense might be designed that way. Yeah, and it sounds like our defense might be designed to stop them. Yeah. We're really good at stopping those 10 yards less, and that's what they'd throw a lot. Boom. Precisely. And this was interesting to me. The Saints do not start off fast at all. They've scored a total of 25 points in first quarters this season, which is 28th in the NFL. So 25 total points in every single first quarter they've played. They've only scored one offensive touchdown in the first quarter, which is tied for last in the league with the Bears, the Bengals, and the Rams. Jeez. Are you serious? I know. How are they 7-2? and How are the Rams that bad? (laughs) So they've scored... One offensive touchdown and 25 total points in the first quarter all year long. So that means their defense or special teams or somebody has scored uh, 18 points in the first quarter. Well, that doesn't include field goals. That, it might oh, be field okay, goals. Okay, gotcha. 25 yeah, right. points. Man, I need to stop sniffing glue or something because my brain is not working. And then... On the opening drive, so not just the first quarter, but their opening drive, they only have three points wow. all season. How are they 7-2 again? <laughs> well, in the last five weeks, <laughs> they've played the Jags, or four weeks, they've played the Jags, Bears, Cardinals, and Atlanta. And lost one of those. <laughs> lost one. Huh. So they are one of seven in the red zone during the first quarter of the season. Only the Redskins are worse. Wow. They rank second in the NFL with 14 offensive penalties called and 11 offensive penalties accepted in the first quarters. And they're averaging just 20 rushing yards per game in first quarters, which ranks 25th in the NFL. Wow. So I think if we start off fast. So how are they? Do you know how they are as far as their offense are is concerned about point scoring, where they rank? In points per game, they are ranked ranked 16th. With 22.7 points the, a game. That's just off the top of your head. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Bucks, oddly enough, are third overall in the NFL with 28.9 points a game. So we score almost a touchdown a game more than they do. Yeah. First are the Ravens. Second are the Patriots. We're third. And fourth are the 49ers. 49ers. And fifth are the Chiefs. So we're in good company. I think we're the only one that's losing. <laughs> In the, in the top five. No crap. No, in the top seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The top twelve. We're the only losing team. That's crazy. That is crazy. Huh. As far as yards per game go, our offense is seventh with 385.6. New Orleans ranks 14th with 368. That's yards per game. So the Dallas Cowboys is first. In that category, 437.4. Good Lord. The Ravens are second with 421.7. When did the Ravens become an offensive powerhouse? (laughs) I must have missed that. So, Drew Brees looking rough. Well, I I wouldn't say he was playing horrible, but he just definitely wasn't as sharp as he normally is. And this is what happened to them last year also. And the year before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just that time of year. His arm just gets tired. Maybe the cold weather is causing his arthritis to (laughs) act Oh, we're going to get so many comments from Saints fans. 
Well, they shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Oh my anyway. gosh. Do not listen to a Buccaneers podcast expecting to hear something good, good things about the Saints. About the Saints. Uh, Michael Thomas really beat up on Vernon Hargreaves last time we played. I think Hargreaves gave up a couple touchdowns. I don't remember, but. Michael Thomas had 182 yards and two touchdowns that game. And remember, Mike Evans had three targets and zero catches that game. So. Bad game for, and I remember Jameis Winston didn't play well. He was skittish, had happy feet. He played man. Yeah, and he got sacked six times, so that'll do it. Kappa was the worst offensive lineman in that game. Uh, the Saints played with a lot of energy. Bridgewater played great. Winston played man. One of those sacks was cheating. I remember that. They held, uh, I think it was Kappa, moved him out of the way. One was a covered sack. Four of them were O-line's fault. In my notes, I got that the linebackers gave up 125 yards on 11 passes. Ooh. I got the refs gave up 76 yards on two passes. <laughs> <laughs> the quarterbacks gave up 144 yards on 23 passes. Uh, Vernon Hargraves gave up 100 and, good Lord, about 116 yards. Wow. Yeah, he did not play well. Well, Michael Thomas ain't going to have that uh, beat up on this game. I'm yeah. excited about Jamal Dean. I, I, I like him. I just There's something about him. I don't know what it is. He's a very unique cornerback. He's got this lankiness about him. He's got that length that Bruce Arians talked about. But anyway, there's something anyway, just something where you see him play and you go, wow, that's he's got some uh he's got something there. I can't really put my finger on it. A couple times he would on his pass defenses, he would actually be too fast for the ball. He would like overshoot it and he'd have to reach behind him and bat the pass down. Oh interesting. Yeah, it's very strange. I I think once he settles down and gets more comfortable, maybe more physical too. He's going to have to be physical because, I mean, if he's on Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas is a physical receiver. Yeah, and then he's going to see Julio Jones before too long. Yeah, Julio Jones is the most physical receiver. But Thomas, he pushes off quick. I mean, he's kind of like Mike Evans in that aspect. They're very they're very physical at the at certain points in the, the pass, catch, whatever. I mean, there, were, there were two non-calls for false start on 67 Larry Warford in that game, too. And we saw one in Oh, God, Atlanta I kept seeing it. It wasn't just one. I think I saw, like, three where they moved and didn't call it. Oh, that's very strange. There was a punt fumble that the ref screwed up in that one, too. If I recall, that was the first punt fumble ref screw up we had out of, I think, three in a row or two in a what, row. What, did they blow it dead? I can't remember. Oh, that's the one where I said that the uh, Ted Bridwatcher had two... To, uh, intentional grounding calls that or plays that were not called, but then uh, recanted that they were not intentional grounding. But they definitely beat us in the past game. That's not going to happen this time because they're not going to beat us. I do remember we had not a terrible time with Kamara. Uh, Kevin Minter was in there. Uh, yeah, Devin, Devin White, White was injured. Play. And Kevin Minter had a tough time in coverage. Four of the top ten uh, plays by yardage the Saints had were Kevin Minter messing up oh right i remember that okay yeah alvin Kamara had 62 yards so i mean not great but in rushing yeah in rushing and then he had another 42 in receiving on 16 carries huh yeah teddy bridgewater had a great game four touchdowns one interception he had a passer or a rating of 131.3 314 yards james winston had a 104.6 rating two touchdowns but he got sapped six times. Yeah. That's hard to overcome, especially him. It gets in his head. Yeah. All right. So with this game coming up, we have Brad Rogers officiating crew. Uh, Brad Rogers has been an NFL uh, referee for two years. This is his third year. We've got quite an experienced crew here. Uh, 
Tony Mikalek, the umpire, he's been a ref for, this is his 18th year. The down judge, this is his 16th year, Ken Payne. Uh, the line judge, this is his 11th year. Field judge, this is his fifth year. Side judge, this is his second year. And the back judge, this is his 17th year. Now, three of these judges, the back judge, side judge, and the umpire have all played together last year on uh, Hussey's, the Hussey, <laughs> Hussey, he's such a Hussey, on Hussey's crew. <laughs> so this is this should be not a two, you know, we're not going to see too many screw-ups on this one, I don't think. And that's what happens when you're a team like the Saints, you get the more experienced crews. I think, yeah, right. I think Brad Rogers, this is his first year as a referee. I think he was a field judge previously. That's true. I don't know how he got the referee, John. Sure, he slept his way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gross. All right, we got Pro Bowl voting. Are you finished with your I am. summary? Right. We should do some score predictions. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. I don't think I have a number this large for the beat down the Bucks are going to put on. Can you just do an infinity symbol? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got Bucks, Saints. Saints at Bucks, week 11. Molly, what do you think? I think the Bucks are going to take this one. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to say the score will be 28 Bucks to 17 New Orleans. All right. I'm going big. I know we normally play them close. Hey, Atlanta beat them 26 to 9. I know. And it, it really wasn't as close as that. Uh, I'm going to say 35 17. How about them? How about them apples? You just got to one up me. Yeah, I know. Well, they might be without their top cornerback. I guarantee you, Mike Evans is not going to have a crappy game like he did last time we played. We came out flat. We looked strong last week playing the Cardinals. Looked like we got our energy back. We're not traveling around a whole bunch. It's a home game. Speaking of which, last Sunday against the Cardinals was the Bucks' lowest attended game since Raymond James Stadium opened. Overall, the Bucks ranked 30th in the league in home attendance. I wonder if part of that was because the Cardinals have such a small market as well. Well, well yeah, but I don't want to depend on the opponent's fans to fill our stadium. Fair enough. Now, when this was brought up, and this was a Eduardo Encina, the... He's with Tampa Bay Times, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He brought that up, and he asked the fans, "What's the root of the attendance issues?" Everybody says, um, "Well, you got to start winning in order to get the fans to come." We've talked about that here on the podcast. You know, it's it's kind of a catch twenty two. You know, if fans are only going to come when a team wins, that's called bandwagons, right? Bandwagons. And that means when they lose, they're not going to show up. So a team's got to constantly win in order for the fans to show up. And you've got you know the fans in the stadium helps teams win. It gives them a strategic advantage, if not a moral advantage. So if the fans aren't showing up, teams aren't going to win as much. And if teams don't win, fans aren't going to show up. So, it's, you know, it's a loop. It's a catch-22. So, you know, my theory is just show up. Just let's fill the stadiums and, uh, you know, support the team. Maybe they'll start winning. It reminds me of the Green Bay Packers. You know, back in the 80s, the Green Bay Packers stunk. I mean, they were bad. Horribly bad. It's been that long since they sucked. Yeah, I know, right? Ugh. Well, they got Brett Favre, and then they got Aaron Rodgers, and it's just been a, yeah, whatever. Uh, they, they, they've won the quarterback lottery, <clears throat> but they still stole sold out their stadium. Through a whole decade of stinking it up. It might have been longer than a decade, but they sold out the stadium. They have a culture of football there. You know, they pass down tickets, season tickets from generation to generation. You know, the... And I think that's what really what Tampa needs. Aren't they owned by the? It's kind of like a co-op, don't they? Not have yeah, an owner. The 
Yeah, not official. They have like a board, and then the right, but the shareholders you can are the have like an season ticket in the team. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it has no financial value, but, right? And you don't really have any say in what goes. On, yeah, I don't think I don't know. Uh, but you know, I'd like to see I like to see the stands fill up. You know, back in the, the, nine, the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, our stadium was probably the best in the league for attendance and just the energy and loudness. I remember watching the games and the the cameras would shake because the crowds were just so boisterous. I'd like to see that back. So, did that start before the Super Bowl team? No, or was it, it after? It was. It was after. Well, no, it started before the, they won the Super Bowl. But it was, right. It was but when the team was assembled. Yeah. I mean, they weren't. They were kind of growing. They were growing. But, it, we, you know, we had Sapp and Lynch and all stuff. So all you had guys. some players that attracted some fanfare. I don't know. I, I really don't know what it was. Like but what it came just, first, the chicken or the egg? Right. I, I don't know which one it was. But I just remember, God, there was just so much energy in the air about the Buccaneers. I don't know. I wonder if it's harder too when you have a Super Bowl caliber caliber team, and then they start sucking after that. So people have that expectation of winning, right? Yeah, yeah. Expectations, and then they're, a lot. you know, it's yeah. the that fall. I saw a stat. Somebody was throwing around how uh, when we play the Saints after a loss, uh, we normally lose. After the Saints lose, and I, I love all these stats that they that they've been bringing up for the past decade. You know, there, there's uh, you know the the Buccaneers. Losing at home, you know, this stretch. And then, you know, the Buccaneers, you know, losing opening home games. And then, and then I was like, no, the Buccaneers have just been crappy for 10 years. All the stats are going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, you can, you can say whatever you want, but, you know, I'm not worried about the uh, the Saints coming in mad because they lost last week and beating us. Not at all. But that brings me to the next thing. I think I started talking about it. But Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl voting has started for fans. Go to NFL.com. They have a thing there where you can fill out Pro Bowl ballots, pick who you want. You can sort it by Buccaneers. I, of course, picked every Buccaneer player they allowed me to pick. I did, too. I did have issues with it in Chrome. I had to open it in Microsoft Edge. I did it on my phone. Uh, They didn't have some players that I think, like uh, Ryan Smith, but then he hasn't played for a large part of the season. They only had, well, I think they... I can't remember if they had all the offensive linemen or not. I don't know. I just voted straight ticket Buccaneers. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I was originally just going to vote for the ones, that, but I, every year I do it. I'm like, ah, Buccaneer, 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 Buccaneer. <laughs> <laughs> um, we might have possibly four or five guys going to the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, Shaq Barrett. Yeah. Most likely is going to make it. Vita Vea. Wouldn't surprise me if he make it. Mike Evans, a Godwin, definitely going to make it. Uh, Devontae David. He might make it. I, I, he he always gets snubbed, right? I know, but this time he's an inside linebacker, and that's different. He's always competed with the outside linebackers in the, all the past years. So it might help him out this year just with the change of defense. I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. Uh, and then Ali Marpet will probably make it again. Never know. So that would be what? One, two, three, four, five, six? What about Jensen? Possible. Could be. Don't know. We definitely got two going. I mean, I can't see Evans and Godwin not going. I mean, yeah. Who else in the NFC? You got Michael Thomas, maybe Amari Cooper. Lockett. Tyler Lockett, probably. I thought he was Seattle. out. Isn't he out for the season? Didn't he break his arm or something? What am I thinking of? Nah, I was wrong. Well, he's he ex- had an injury, but yeah. he's not out. So he's ex- he's expected to play. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see Tyler Lockett. Uh, it's just not a large contingent. Uh, Julio Jones, probably. 
What would they take? Six wide receivers to the Pro Bowl? I don't know. Something like that? It's a popularity contest. I know. All right. All right. But, you know, and a lot of it has to do with finished football, and a lot of finished football guys have been making killing on Evans and <laughs> Godwin, so you know they're going to vote for them. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to hang out a little bit and listen to the uh, Bruce Arians press conference from Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. I don't know. Was it Wednesday or today? Anyhow, uh, hang out and listen to it. We got it at the end of the podcast here. Everybody get uh, riled up to beat the mess out of the Saints. Get the, the positive positive vibes going, whatever. Power positive thinking. We got a chance. We always do. If we bring some more energy than we did last time, it could be a good game. We always play them tough. We have for the past, ever since Cutter's been, yeah, basically ever since James Winston's been yeah. a quarterback. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. All you people in Bucks Nation, until next time. Go Bucks. Uh, not participating. Uh, Carlton Davis with the hip. Uh, Tamar Dotson is just a vet day off. Anthony Nelson with the hamstring and MJ Stewart with the knee. Um, good start to the week. Obviously, it's a an excellent team coming in here. A um, little bit different with Drew than with Teddy. Um, obviously, Michael Thomas and Drew, Drew have a heck of a a combination going with all the targets he had last week, but uh, it'll be a big challenge and uh, same thing defensively. What was the, the overriding reasons for your waving of Vernon Hargrave? Uh, the statement said everything. Bruce, you had said previously that you really can't judge a quarterback until roughly a half season's gone by eight games. You've already gone through nine games. What kind of report card would you give James? Uh, the last four, very good. You know, I think uh, three for sure. Um, still a little bit up and down at times, but uh, two-minute situations and bringing us from behind, he's been excellent. So. Which how difficult was it to make that decision given your injury situation at the cornerback position? Not hard. Are you um, are you hoping this is like a statement, like that there would be some message received in, in in your decision about hustling, about not hustling, about what you know? You talk about accountability. Is this an accountability type move? Yeah, I really want to get into it, but uh, it's just a, it's a decision Jason and I made. Is it, is it I'm sure you're, you're hopeful that Carlton plays? You you think that he'll be able to to go? We'll see you tomorrow. On Michael Thomas, uh, he's leading the league and, and catches and yards by a big, big margin. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, apparently. Uh, he's not Tyreek Hill in terms of being a burner. What What is special about this guy? He's big, strong, physical, and he can separate. You know, he's, he's got quickness for a big guy. Very much so like Mike Evans, but he's long. Uh, he doesn't drop many passes, that's for sure. The guy's he's legit. With Jameis being in a, in a obviously a big contract year, when it comes to your personal evaluation, he's been here. This is his fifth year. But when you evaluate Jameis heading into twenty twenty, are you going to look at at this year and not the previous year? I don't care about the last five. I only care about the one when I had him. So, and uh, it ain't got to do with the Saints. So. With MJ Stewart, I was just curious if you had a sense of how long or what the, the time field might be for him to get back. Possibly three to four. You've talked 
about your confidence in these young guys? They, the more they play, obviously you saw Dean make a mm-hmm. huge improvement from his first start to, to the play he made. Um, is this an opportunity now for those guys to continue that, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they learned about preparation. And, uh, you know, Mike Edwards needs to get out there and, and join that crew. And uh, I think, you know, all those guys, I've got confidence in that that uh, they'll do a heck of a job. I mean, they got a heck of a test in front of them. When you, when you stood up here at the podium uh, last week and you had said, and this was after the Seahawks game, talked about the secondary, um, you know, that, that you know maybe you were fooled with the guys practicing in, in shorts and everything. Were you hoping that the guys would respond the way, you know, Dean did, for instance, by coming in, staying an extra I, hour? I thought I knew Dean would. I mean, that's just his makeup. You know, he was embarrassed and he went out and, and fixed it, you know. But when you say things like that to us, for instance, I mean, are you, is that the kind of response you're hoping from, from your guys, that they're paying attention and that they, that they respond in that kind of manner? Yeah, I would hope. I would hope, you know. You know, I don't try to just tell the truth. Coach, it doesn't happen often that an in-season release happened the way it happened with Vernon. I know you mentioned the fact that you have the statement out already. But when it comes to you personally and your experience in the league, is it a matter of something that's happened just – Snap decision or cumulative when you release a guy in the middle. Of the no, season, it's right? a cumulative. It's a cumulative thing. Chris, what have you seen in terms of progress and, and, and taking to the next level from Ryan Jensen as not as a center but as a leader on your line? Yeah, he's doing a heck of a job. You know, um, you know, he does all the identification up there, and uh, he's playing at a really, really high level right now. And I love his attitude when he plays. What's your feeling about Kaepernick's uh, tryout Saturday, and will the Bucks be represented? Yeah, we're probably. I mean, I'm not going, but uh, uh, the uh, I'm sure you know we usually have somebody at all those type of workouts. So, um, see what's up. What do you think about the league decision to uh, to schedule us? I don't really have an opinion on it. The league has insisted that it was on a Saturday versus Kaepernick wanting it on a Tuesday. But some people in the league have argued that if it's on a Saturday, you know, coaches that are preparing for games, it, it kind of discourages them from attending. Same with GMs. I don't know of any coaches going anywhere unless it's on his campus. Coach, you, you talk about uh, officiating, uh, obviously, some, but... Um, don't get me fine, though. I'm not <laughs> Again? Again. <laughs> How much was that fine, by the way? Yeah. None. Were you surprised by it? Not really. Okay. Truth, the truth comes across sometimes. That's you know? <laughs> true. Um, when they added the, you know, you can challenge a non-call, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already tasked with having the two challenges and that's it. And that's an extra layer of mm-hmm. responsibility of when to use them and strategic and all that. Um, now you have something that, that they miss potentially. And, and you're keeping kind of a record of how many times they overturned that. I mean, does that just add to sort of like, you know, the yeah, uh, that's where I probably probably lean on Larry a little bit more than I haven't had anybody in the past. I always just had to get it, you know. Yeah. And uh, Larry stays abreast of all those things. We we know the crew we've got. You know, we kind of know what's been handed out from New York and what hasn't. So, you know, I I still think. Larry Fitzgerald had was that pass interference was on him, but I still lose, right. you know. Does, does the uh, just in general the, the game day thing? I mean, do you have to be mindful of how much you're working the refs, even when they're wrong? I mean, right? But like that that interplay. Do you know? Like, what is that line that you? Feel there, like there, if you ask them, they'll say there is no line with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you just let it fly, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
and, and no one ever uh, they are professionally they take the they take what you're saying and yeah right, it, right. it's it's all it's all good they they know when they come in the locker room before the game you know what it's going to be like I'm, I'm paraphrasing this here but when we first met uh, we first met with you uh, your first day here you had said something along the lines of you know you're going to play hard or you're not going to play here. I mean, for you, is that the ultimate, you know, if anything from your guys, you want them to, to go all out? I mean, if not hustling, is that Two, th- two things you can, yes. <laughs> you control your attitude and your effort. All right. You don't control a lot of things, but you control those two, and they better be they better be good. In the game, I think Ronald Jones converted a second and 15, a third and 15. Um, what kind of weapon can, can he you know, representing in, in the screen game going forward. Yeah, I think even more than even more than just screens. You know, just being a receiver, he's starting to build confidence in his hands. His route running ability is starting to grow. That tree of his is growing a little bit as we get more comfortable with him. He can. I mean, when he gets the ball in his hands, now a lot of th- great things can happen. So the more you can use him. Can you speak to the job that Todd McNair has done with him? I mean, I remember when McNair was meeting with us, he said, you know, I noticed he had this really funky angle with his hands and the way he was catching the ball. I mean, I don't, I don't think any, any pass. Yeah, Todd's, Todd's done a great job with him on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Well, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, they seem to be just such on the same page, especially with those option routes. Um, how much more of a challenge is that for your DB group who was young to begin with now they're even younger? It's you can be a ten-year vet. It's a, it's a challenge. Those two guys have been playing together, and there's, I mean, Drew knows when the ball's coming out, uh, when Michael's going to break, and uh, you know, it, for one guy to cover him is tough. Sean Ruby Bunting is getting, has been cross-trained to slot him also on the outside. Is Ryan Smith doing the same type mm-hmm. of thing? Yes. Are all the corners getting cross-trained no. away, or just mm-hmm. just those two? Mm-hmm. Coach, Matthew Wilkins was promoted in Vernon's absence. What have you seen from him in the time of the practice and What can you expect from him? He's a competitor and uh, loved him in the preseason. Uh, he he gives us everything he has after every single day. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like his future. There was some concerns about his speed coming out of college. I mean, uh, he plays fast. A lot of guys don't time fast. They play fast. He plays fast. Thing on officiating when Christine gets on social media or Jake, <laughs> <laughs> you okay with that? I have no control over that. I don't fight it either. <laughs> I'm losing. <laughs> You got a, sh- a shout out. Speaking of social media, Jake retweeted this. You got a shout out from Blink Shelton. We actually signed your no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, he's, that. he's a he's a good friend. 